You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, and we are off and we are running on this spring Saturday afternoon. It is April 9th, 2022. How's everybody living? How's everybody doing? The number, of course, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. And look, we got so much for this Saturday extravaganza, so much on the plate to work through, so much to talk about. And, of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 6.30 tonight, little Rangers and Senators then. But, look, let's – I mean, people, we got to get into it today. we got uh, opening day, obviously, the other day. You've got the Masters going on. And can anybody uh, catch Scotty Scheffler, who has a five-shot lead going into the round? We have less than three weeks to go until the NFL draft. And I've been on record as saying this before. This is the draft. If you are someone who uh, likes to partake in throwing a couple of shekels down on things, this is the draft that you can really, if you have a strong inclination on what team in the top five is going to do something where and who's going where, this is the draft, boy, you can make some money. Because right now, as we are, what, less than three weeks away to the draft, it is wide open. Even the, even the first pick is not exactly set in stone. So we got that. We got the NBA playoffs around the corner. We got the NHL playoffs around the corner, at least so they tell me. I'm not exactly sure about that. I have not, uh, I've not verified that. But, of course, what's the big story? The big story. The story that everybody has been talking about since yesterday. Aaron Judge and the Yankees, unable to work out a new long-term extension. Judge done negotiating until after the season is over. So if that's true, if he does not go back on that, then he will be a free agent. The Yankees making it clear that they had offered Judge a seven-year contract for $213.5 million bucks, And if you add in his salary for this year, you're looking at like a contract of $230 million over eight years. An eight-year contract for a guy who's 30 years old um, is, is, not, uh, is not insignificant. It's not, um, it's not nothing. Roughly $30 million a season. And there has been so much talk, so much focus, and rightfully so, right? Judge is probably the most recognizable face in the sport. Now, he might not be the face of the sport, but he's the most recognizable player in the sport. I think you could definitely say that because of his size and the fact he plays for the Yankees and all this type of stuff. He's in the playoffs every year. He's the Yankees MVP, no question. And at a time when fewer and fewer homegrown players are making it to free agency, this is big news. But the thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to this story, and this is a big story, is that there is a condition that is affecting many in the tri-state area. And that condition is Yankee derangement syndrome. Oh, my God, that sounds terrible. I don't want that. Well, you might already have it. You should go through the signs, and I'll give you what the signs are. If you suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome, it's a condition, and it's very easy to recognize. You might recognize it in yourself, family members, friends. It's a condition that anything the Yankees do is always wrong. And not just wrong. 
outrageously wrong. Disastrously wrong. It's atrocious. It's inexcusable. If you find yourself using those words specifically to discuss something, anything that has happened involving the New York Yankees, you or someone you love might suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome. I think I can, if you need an example, I can point out examples. The New York Post is clearly suffering from Yankee derangement syndrome. So yesterday's opening day, Garrett, you're, you're, you're pumped up, right? You have to wait an extra day, but the weather's beautiful. They get all the different uh, ceremonies underway, and Garrett Cole, but by the time you sit down on your couch, Garrett Cole's on the mound. Maybe you're making yourself a little lunch like I was. And Garrett Cole has already given up three runs. And the headline from the New York Post, after the game is over, Garrett Cole had disastrous start to the Yankee season. Now, he might have, I don't even think he had a disastrous first inning. He had a terrible first inning, but disastrous means that it's something you can't come back from. And the fact that you're writing the story after the game tells me you already knew the Yankees won the game, right? So it couldn't have been disastrous. It was terrible. Uh, It was an awful start, a rough start, however you want to describe it. Disastrous might be just overshooting it a tad. Disastrous would have been if he went out in the first inning, gave up seven runs, and the Yankees lost seven to three. That would be disastrous. What he did in the wild card game last year, that was a disastrous start. Or if he had gone out, started warming up, and felt something in his shoulder or his elbow or his side or somewhere on his body, and he had to go on the injured list. That would have been a disaster. But giving up three runs and then pitching four innings, it's disappointing. It's, uh, it's a rough start. It's not what you, you, you came for. It's underwhelming considering who you hope Garrett Cole can be. But disastrous? I, I don't know. It's, it feels a little bit, just a little bit like an overreach. But you know it. And if you listen to the shows, if you read the articles, if you, you know, there, there is a certain portion and not a small portion of the population, the sport fan population, that everything the Yankees do is wrong. And again, not just wrong, not just that you disagree with it and certainly not. Well, you know, I can kind of see both sides. No, 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 no. Wrong and outrageous. Oh, it's outrageous what they've done. When they signed Cole, it was outrageous to some. How, how can they give him all this money? But you know, and I know, in the quiet places we don't talk about maybe out loud, a good portion, an overwhelming portion of the people who said that would have said they would have had the same anger if they didn't sign Garrett Cole. How could you let this guy get away? The Yankees, all they do is print money. They need this ace. Here was this ace that was sitting out there. He grew up a Yankee fan, and you didn't sign him. So, and I am not one who feels like the Yankees don't deserve to be criticized. If you listen any time, I criticize them all the time. But unfortunately for some, they, they're 100% wrong, 1,000% wrong, 100% of the time. 
So it's amazing to me that the Yankees don't get a deal done with Aaron Judge. So they don't sign him. So they're wrong for have not signing him. And there's some, you have to sign him. So you're saying you have to sign him no matter what? No matter what the cost? If he's asking for nine years, is that report from, uh, I believe it was Brendan Cuddy at NJ.com. He's looking for nine years. You have to sign him to that? Right now? You have to? There's no other way? What if he's asking for $300 million for, for, for nine years? You have to sign him? And the funny thing is, again, are you telling me if the Yankees did sign him to whatever Aaron Judge wanted, you're telling me that same group would not be arguing the other side? Come on. Well, you know, a guy with his body. Well, you know, a guy with his injuries. No, oh, the history of nine-year contracts. Good luck with that. Oh, Brian Cashman got taken to the cleaners. And the new one that I've heard in the last 24 hours, and this one, if you hear this one, or more importantly, if you state this one, it's a sign that you should seek professional help immediately because you are in the throes of a session of Yankee derangement syndrome. Here it is. You ready? And I heard this one a lot over the last 24 hours. Why did it get to this? Brian Cashman should have had this done before now. They should have signed Judge before now. They've been far too complacent, and now they're paying for that complacency. Why didn't Brian Cashman do this before now? You know, it's funny. I haven't heard anyone anywhere make that point before now. But let's say there are people, because I can't be everywhere at once. I'm not omnipresent. When exactly is this time that you wanted to sign him before now? Were they supposed to do this in 2020 when he played 46% of the Yankee games? I mean, I'm assuming if his demands are seen as excessive to the Yankees, right? They want to get the best deal. Judge wants to get the best deal. So from the Yankees' point of view, and that's what we're talking about, from Brian Cashman's point of view, if, if, if Judge's demands right now, in this moment in time, are excessive, well, I'm assuming they were probably excessive then too, and this is before he had a full season last year, pretty much, where he was able to stay healthy. But in 2020, you're telling me the people criticizing Brian Cashman for not having this deal done before now would not have been saying the same things, and maybe more justifiably, when he had played judge in 46% of the Yankees' games that season? Or what about in 2019 when he played in 62% of the games? Or in 2018 when he played in 69% of the games? I mean, right after his rookie season? When is this magical time where it was apparent to everybody and everybody was screaming to get a deal done right then and there? I can tell you it doesn't exist. It's completely revisionist history. Nobody follows this stuff more closely than I do, and nobody anywhere was yelling and screaming that the Yankees should have had a a deal done with Aaron Judge. In fact, everybody was saying, well, when it comes time to make a a, a deal with Aaron Judge, how are you going to do that because of all these injuries? So if you're exhibiting these signs, it might be time to check with a medical professional because you very well might have Yankee derangement syndrome. 
And I get it. Criticism, especially in sports talk radio, is completely normal. The Yankees have gotten things wrong, plenty of things wrong. But if you're saying that they're getting every single thing wrong 100% of the time, I think maybe you might be the problem here. And, And really, this all focuses on one guy. It all focuses on Brian Cashman. And I get it. He's been here now for, I think, 25 years. And the last half of that time, they've not won a World Series. That's a fact. And that does not happen in Yankee history. But given how he is talked about, you would think that Brian Cashman was some sort of combination of Mike McCagnan and Dave Gettleman and Phil Jackson rolled into one. It's a bit much. It's a bit of an overreach. So a perfect example, yesterday, right? They don't get the deal done. Cashman comes out and, and, and talks about it. And he says the Yankees offered this, right? Seven years, what, 213, eighth year. All. And what's the immediate reaction? Ha <laughs> ha, look at this. This sneaky Cashman, he wants fans to look at judges greedy. Well, I mean, it's a negotiation, and I'm sure people in judges' camp are not babes in the woods or are not you know, new to the dance of negotiation. So I'm sure they're doing stuff behind the scenes as well to kind of boost up his value. But, I mean, if, the, if, if Brian Cashman did not come out and say what he said yesterday, what would, what would have been the overwhelming narrative? Because I haven't heard that many people saying, oh, uh, 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 Aaron Judge is being so, uh, so greedy. So if that, was the, if that was the intention, it failed miserably. But if the Yankees did not make their numbers known, I'm sure, and already they let their numbers be known, and they're still being said to be cheap. Oh, you're being cheap. And if they didn't, well, if they, if they didn't release the numbers, they must not be proud of the numbers. What are they hiding? And you know that something somewhere would have gotten out, and maybe it would have been the right number, maybe it had been the wrong number. Look, there are plenty of times where criticism is warranted. I, I realize that. But I will tell you, I don't think it's here, at least not yet, because I think at this specific moment in time, as the Yankees get set to open up the season, I don't necessarily think the Yankees did the wrong thing. Oh, my goodness. So much going on. You got the Masters going on, and I'm very tuned in, very engaged. Because before the tournament, I spread a couple of shekels around, and I found, you know, I went with Scotty Scheffler, and uh, that's a, and he, he's running away with it, at least right now. He's got a four-shot lead. Shane Lowry is a four-back. He's one under so far today. Uh, Schwartzel and Johnson are also one under today. Schwartzel is now four under, so he's also four back. Johnson is uh, three under. Uh, Johnson and Scheffler, who I am focused in on. Lowry and Schwartzel, eh, not so much. So that tells you that Lowry or Schwartzel will win this thing. And today, of course, is obviously moving day at the Masters, the day where if you're going to be in position for Sunday, you got to get it done. So, all right, so we'll keep an eye on that. But we've been talking about the Yankees and Aaron Judge and his contract, 1-800-919-ESPN uh, is the uh, telephone number, one 800 919 Seven six. So just to kind of uh, illustrate why Yankee derangement syndrome is real, and we're going to get to the phone calls here in just a second. Yankees give out their numbers yesterday, right? Seven years, 213. And I think it, I think it was the right approach for the Yankees because they made a good enough, a good enough offer that could be accepted, but they had to have known it was probably not going to get accepted. 
Like when you make that, they've been negotiating this entire time. I'm sure they've been going back for years about what judge is looking for, what they feel comfortable with. But I think there's two major benefits to not signing judge at this point. A, and they're pretty obvious, A, you get an extra year to see whether or not this guy can stay healthy. And that is still a major factor. I love how it's, he had one healthy season last year. All right, he's answered all the questions. He answered all the questions? No, I think he answered some of the questions. The, the main question still remains, can he do this year after year? Is he going to play 140, 150 games a season every year? Or is it going to be the type of thing where he plays 150 games one year and then maybe 110, maybe 100, especially as he ages? His health is still a number one factor in trying to determine what the, the contract is going to be. His production is not. You know what his production is going to be if he's out there. It's pretty consistent. But are the fluke injuries that he had in the past, are, is he more susceptible to those kind of freak injuries? Are those something that are going to continue? Now the Yankees will get a full season to, to get the answers to that question as much as they can. Right? Like you don't sign the deal until you have to sign the deal. You don't make your best offer until you have to make your best offer. And I would think that, I, I don't know how much motivation goes into this, but I will say I don't think that Aaron Judge is ever going to be more ma- motivated to have a, a monster season. And if he does, the Yankees benefit. And if he gets hurt, well, the Yankees at least avoided paying more than they had to when they had to. The Yankees can sign Aaron Judge whenever they want. So they can wait until they, they're actually going to lose him? before. Can we at least do that? Can we wait until they're actually going to lose him before we act like they already did? I think the Yankees did the right thing. I think Aaron Judge did the right thing. And let's let it play out. If, it, if he goes out and he has a typical Aaron Judge season, he is clearly going to make more than what the Yankees offered him. And if he is going to make more, guess what? The Yankees have more than enough money. If they want to sign Aaron Judge, they will. If he goes out and has his best season, he's going to make more. If he goes out and has a below-average season but is healthy, he's probably going to make as much. And if he goes out and gets hurt and plays 100 games, well, then, then there's some, some, some room to talk about. I would think the Yankees are not going to decrease their offer all that significantly. And for Aaron Judge's point of view, I'm sure he's probably, as, as his management team is probably thinking, Steve Cohen's just out there waiting to play, pay Judge $50 million a year. I am convinced in my, if Steve Cohen paid 30, uh, a 37-year-old Max Scherzer 43 a year or whatever it is, he's going to pay Aaron, a 31-year-old Aaron Judge is worth 50 to that guy. And if he wants to sign Judge to a ridiculous $400 million or whatever, well, then, then you can have the conversation. But as we've pointed out many, many times, if spending money led directly to championships, the Angels, the Angels would be a, a, a model franchise, right? Artie Moreno would be uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, uh, all right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, I'll give you um, a perfect – yesterday was a perfect example of what Yankee derangement syndrome is. So let's get some phone calls in and find out just how pervasive this is in the listening audience, Yankee derangement syndrome. Let's start out 1-800-919-ESPN with Tony is in the Bronx. Tony, you're first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Listen, I told you, screen, I said, I am not deranged. 
I, well, I see, that's the that thing, that's... Tony. You can't know if you're deranged. We, the, the, the <laughs> rational, level-headed people have to tell you whether you're not deranged. So we will be the judge of that, All my right. friend. But go ahead. So I do think that this Yankee offer was certainly formidable, um, considering, I mean, you hit it right on the head with the numbers you were throwing out there in terms of his percentage of play for the last four seasons. That That number that they gave him is more than adequate. I'm actually really surprised that he didn't take it um and you know maybe he's trying to negotiate for some type of opt out every year who knows but which would work to his benefit but that number right there why wouldn't you secure you know that money for that term you know because this guy is literally one diving play one swing from you know missing another 30 or 40 or 50 games and i can't see why any fan out there doesn't see that it'll be the same exact fan that when he does get the contract they're going to be complaining that he's on the hook for 45 a year at the age of 39 so to me it doesn't make any sense the only Um, thing i would disagree with you with uh, tony is that i don't think like if he were to miss say 50 games uh maybe the offer might go down slightly but i don't think it would go down uh, all that much from the Yankees. I think that the Yankees would still – I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's still in the Yankees' best interest to have this guy long-term. So I, I think that – Which I agree. I don't even think the I offer would agree. go down that much. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. But, you know, it's just it, – it, you know, it goes to part of the reason why, you know, a lot of players don't want to come to New York without that Yankee tax because – you know, they got to deal with this constantly. Like you said, you alluded to the, the disastrous headline for Cole and his start yesterday. I mean, really? Three, I'll take three, three runs a game for the whole season, to be quite honest with you. You know, yeah, a little bit of a rough start. You want to see a little bit Yeah, better. I mean, it was, bad. It was a bad it's opening in training. it, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, but listen, man, thank you for taking the call. Uh, we'll see, man, hopefully. All right, Tony. Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN is the tell. All right, so I would say Tony does not suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome. That was a level-headed, realistic approach to the Yankees' issues with Aaron Judge in terms of, of fans, if they, they would be complaining if they signed him and then he got hurt. And, and again, that is still the number one thing because all the people who are now saying, well, no, he proved last year. He was he is healthy. He could stay healthy for an entire year. He did. Yes, he did it one time, but let's see if he can do it a second time. And it, look, I'd like to see it as many times as possible before I have to make a decision on on on, on a long term contract. I, I like to have as much information as I can before I make a decision, and then as the facts change along the way, my opinion changes. I base my opinions on the facts. So if Aaron Judge goes out there and plays 150 games this year, I will feel more confident in giving him a long-term deal. But if he goes out and gets hurt again, well, then we're right kind of back to square one. And all the people who are saying, oh, no, it's already solved. He went out. He did great. A lot of them are the same people who are breathing a sigh of relief after Jacob deGrom went out in one spring training start and was able to throw without any pain. The back page of the paper was sigh of relief. Yeah, that sigh of relief was short-lived. That came and went quickly. And if Aaron Judge were to go out and get hurt, all the people who are saying you got to sign him no matter the cost, they would all be up in arms because they suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome. If you want it better, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job of describing it. Here is a perfect example. Yesterday, Garrett Cole came out 
And as I said, stunk in that first inning. Gives up three runs. I mean, before you've even sat down, he's already in the hole, three nothing. So all the optimism and, and excitement of opening day, whoop, right out the window. So before the game, he was seen, you know, shouting in the dugout because the game started slightly later. And after the game, what's the reaction? Oh, Garrett Cole's whining. He's so fragile. He's so delicate. He's blaming a four-minute delay for how he pitched in the first. Have you heard this take? Have you heard this take? You've heard people say this? He is blaming the fact that the game was slightly delayed for how he pitched in the first inning. I'm like, wow. When I heard that, and I had not heard what he actually said, I was like, boy, that's, that's weak sauce. That, that's a perfect, uh, a perfect candidate for a, for a segment we do later in the show on Saturdays, World's Worst of the Week, which is the worst take of the week, whatever the, the worst opinion that you've heard anywhere. And I got to tell you, today we got a doozy. But it's not Garrett Cole. Because when you actually listen to what he said, the take of he blamed the first that the delay for how he pitched in the first inning is completely untrue. It's not based in reality. It's not based in fact. I don't know what it's based on. I, I'm thinking it's based on Yankee derangement syndrome. Brian, do you have the cut from Garrett Cole? Play Garrett Cole. This is him oh, after yeah. the game being asked about the delay and being unhappy about the first inning. Yeah, I mean, that was, um, it was an unforeseen challenge. Festivities uh, got a little away from the schedule. So. Talk about how um, the Rizzo home run gave you guys a big boost. It seemed like you settled yeah. down after that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, it's a great, great answer. Uh, that's, in the the, first, that's the second um, question after. So that, that's, I don't you know, want to be after, uh, uh, you know, being accused of being guilty. Oh, well, you didn't listen to the – no, you heard what the next question was, and it was him addressing uh, the Rizzo home run in the, in the bottom of the first. That's the entire cut. Where exactly did he say that the reason the delay was the reason why he stunk in the first inning? Did anybody else hear that? Because I didn't hear that. I think I didn't hear that because he didn't say it. Now, it's pretty clear he's trying to couch his words because he was annoyed that the game was starting later than it was, and he's impatient. He wasn't happy to be forced to wait on something. So now we're critic New Yorkers. Let me get this straight. New Yorkers are criticizing people for being impatient. Really? Really? I might be a hypocrite at times, but I will be darned if I'm going to be that big of a hypocrite to blame somebody for being impatient. And you might say, well, it's only four minutes. What's four minutes? Have you ever waited four minutes when you don't feel like you should have to wait four minutes? It feels like an eternity. Sit behind somebody who's coming to a stop sign, who's sitting there for an extra 30 seconds. It feels like an eternity. When the light turns green and the person's on their phone and they're not paying attention and it's a green arrow and you want to get through the green arrow, but this idiot is not going when the light turned green. Yes, I am guilty of being impatient. And I'm it's pretty clear that if Garrett Cole could say whatever he wanted to say, he would say, yeah, it was really ticking me off that we had to wait. I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm waiting here, and, I'm, and, we're, and we're waiting for first pitches, and this person's being introduced, and that person's being introduced. Let's go. Let's hurry it up. Let's go. Come on. Wrap it up. So I'm not going to sit here and, and blame him for being impatient, 
Especially since, now if he came out and said, that's the reason why I stunk in the first inning, well then, then, I, then you would have a beef. But again, Brian, play the cut again. This is him talking about the annoyance of having to wait for the first inning. Yeah, I mean, that was, um, it was an unforeseen challenge. Festivities uh, got a little away from the schedule. Yeah, that, he wants to say that was a real pain in my neck, but not his neck. I want to, come on, let's go, come on. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting to go here. I, I, the show is starting. Let's start the show. Let's not wait any longer. At no point did he say, that's the reason why I gave up three runs in the first inning. So if you're someone who took that and spinned it and spun it in your mind to mean something else, you, my friend, might suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. Now, Tony called. Tony, I think it would be fair, does not suffer from Yankee derangement syndrome. Eli in Washingtonville might very well be on the posters for Yankee derangement syndrome. Eli, how you doing, pal? I'm good, and yes, I admit that I am a deranged man. Okay, since, uh... now let me, let me, before you start, I'm going to guess you are not happy that the Yankees didn't sign Aaron Judge yesterday. No, I'm actually glad, and I think it was an adequate offer. But uh, I feel that the Yankees backed themselves into a corner. Really? Look now at that. If I'm the, yeah, listen, if I'm the GM of, uh, I mean, if I'm the, the agent of Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, and I have my, my ear to, you know, to the ground, and he, seeing that the Yankees didn't sign nobody, the Yankees didn't trade for nobody, Cashman's having an awful uh, offseason, of course I'm going to hold out and not sign this contract. Because right now, Judge is the only person that you guys could sign that would have the fan base pleased. Not, not me, because I think, you know, it is a long contract for a guy that him and Stanton are the same player. But this is the mismanagement of Brian Cashman. <laughs> you know, he, it, so, it, so, it, so Eli, you know, Eli, how would they have gotten around this situation? How would they have gotten okay, around this? You're saying that the Yankees made a mistake here. How would they have gotten around it? All right, so look at look at the the blueprint that every other um, agent in the league is doing. Okay, you get your guy early, you sign him on a good rookie deal, a good rookie deal like they did with uh with Olsen, with the Braves did with Olsen, and all these other young guys that are signing contracts on a budget because you know what they're getting their money up front, you know they're big money up front, and they're you know they're. Okay, but, 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 but Eli, when would they have done that? When he, was, when he was missing all the time in his second season? When he was missing all the time in his third season? When he was missing more than half the games in his fourth season? Like, when would they have done this? I, I agree. You know, you bring up a good point, and Don LeGregor brought up that point too, but didn't they do the same thing with Severino? Yeah, because Severino, but because I think what Severino's demands were not nearly as uh, excessive. And look, Judge is a better player than Luis Severino. And he's done more, so he should be asking for more. But I, I'm guessing that if, if the Yankees view his demands right now as, as excessive, they, pro- they might not have been as excessive back then, but they were probably excessive given the time frame and, and where he was as a player back then too. You right. know, the fact, that, the well, fact, that, the fact right. that Aaron Judge got, got to the majors so late, it's pretty clear, and he's as good a player as he is, 
this is probably going to be the one contract that he really cashes in on. This is it. He's not going to probably get a second, uh, second bite at the apple. So he's got to go for the moon. I get that. But I, I just don't think that there was really any way around this situation outside of if these numbers are true from, from Brendan Cuddy that he's looking for a nine-year deal, I don't really think that there was any way really around this for the Yankees. All right, but last season they could have done this knowing that there was going to be a lockout this season. They could have see where Judge's head was at. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they try did. to negotiate last year. I'm sure they and, did. And if you and you know what, if you see that this guy's going to ask for an outrageous contract, start planning ahead. Well, how do you know they have the, the Freeman? But how, but, 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 but Eli, season. how do you know they have it? How do you know they have it? Planning well, ahead means when you lose him. Right. Planning ahead means when you lose him. They're leaving the door open, hoping that they, they don't want to lose him. All right, Eli, thanks for the phone call. They don't want to lose him. I mean, they want to have him here long term. That's still their best option, and it is still very much an option. If the Yankees and if Hal decides at the last minute to say, you know what, let's go to whatever we have to go to to get the player signed, whatever his actual numbers that, that Judge wants, then okay. But Again, if Judge asks for whatever, say it's nine years, say it's eight years, if it's significantly more than the Yankees are offering, there's a very good chance that the Yankees are not going to match that all. I think that kind of happened in the uh, in the Robinson Cano. They they made a fair offer. They made they what they felt like was a uh, an offer that he probably was not going to top. One team did top it, and uh, look, Cano has had a very good career post the Yankees. Gotten caught with the PEDs, he's missed the season, he had that one bad year with the Mets. But he's kind of lived up. I mean, his numbers overall are not terrible. I mean, th- this idea that I think a lot of people put out there, well, you know, that that contract the Mariners signed was such a mistake. Well, they didn't make the postseason as a result of it, that's for sure. But in terms of the numbers and the production you've gotten from Robinson Cano, it's 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 been pretty much in line with what you had to kind of expect at this stage of his career. Yeah, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And that story about Dwayne Haskins, man, what a what just an awful story when that came across. Young guy. I, I don't really know the details of it yet, but apparently was, was hit and obviously killed. So condolences to his family and just a, an awful story uh, when, you, when you see that. Just so shocking because a guy that young uh, and it's just um, it's a crazy story. So condolences to his family and I'm sure details will come out eventually about just just what what happened there because it just seems so uh, just so strange when you see when that when that came across Twitter you're like wait a second how did that happen and then you get just a little bit of the details about uh, whether he's walking on the side of the road or running on the side of the road the details aren't clear at this time but uh, obviously what is clear it's just awful just an awful tragedy for such a young guy so condolences to him and uh, to his family. Uh, for that loss. So, uh, all right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. We've been talking a lot about Aaron Judge today. We'll continue to take your phone calls there. Uh, I should tell you, if you're keeping an eye on the golf, Scotty Scheffler still leads at nine under, but uh, Shane Lowry has just birdied another hole, so he's now moved to within four shots, so uh, we'll see. Right now, it, it, it's basically Scotty Scheffler's tournament to lose. But sometimes those things happen. Sometimes guys do lose it that way. So uh, we shall see. And they always say that the Masters does not begin until the back nine on Sunday. But then they say that today's moving day. So what do I know? Who am I to judge exactly? Um, but I did want to touch on the, the Mets last night because the Mets game, as I mentioned, was on Apple TV. 
And I have drawn a line in the sand at my house. And I don't know how you are at your house. But I got to hand it to those Apple people. They are masters at being able to advertise and, and get you motivated to, to purchase their product. And the reaction that people had to that broadcast was so overwhelmingly negative I've actually never been more motivated to sign up for Apple TV. Like, you could tell me Ted Lasso won every single Emmy Award, Academy Award, a couple of the, the Grammy Awards, and I'm not signing up for Apple TV. I don't know what else is on Apple TV, but I, I've had, I have enough streaming services. I have everything. I got, I got the Netflix. I got the Hulu. I got the Amazon Prime. I got the Disney Plus. We got everything and everything. And then on a Saturday night, I say to my wife, hey, what do you want to watch 20 minutes in? She's asleep. So, I mean, what do I need all these streaming services for? So that has stopped me from going any, I'm not going any deeper. We got Peacock because my wife during the week likes to fall asleep watching The Office. I said, we're paying $5 a month for you to fall asleep. Can't we just like DVR it? She gave a reason. I don't remember what it was. So, no, we can't, apparently we can't just DVR. We have to have Peacock because she needs the specific episodes when she falls asleep. So that's one reason I'm not getting the Apple TV. But it's kind of hard for me to take the reaction on Twitter and from Met fans all that seriously because you talk about Yankee derangement syndrome. Met fans are so completely unbalanced when anyone does their games outside of Gary, Keith, and Ron, that their, their previous screaming and yelling, the Met fans, that they can't be taken seriously. I mean, they're the boy that cried wolf. It could be any broadcast. It could be national broadcast teams. Like Joe Buck was doing the game. They would scream bloody murder. This is, no, I want Gary, Keith, and Ron. Oh, I mean, I, I, they're great. I understand. But sometimes other people call your game and you don't have to cry and whine and complain about how someone else has the audacity to call your, your Met games. If it's Fox, if it's Facebook. Didn't they do a game on Facebook last year or something like that? You would think... Yes, Met and yeah, YouTube. Right? I, yeah, it YouTube. Was, that, YouTube. Oh, that was it. YouTube. Mm. They did it on YouTube. Oh, my God. You would have thought that they were... They had a broadcast team of Fran Drescher, Bobcat Goldthwait, and, and, uh, and Gilbert Gottfried. You, I mean, the Met fans cannot be taken seriously. Every other broadcast is not just uh, the worst. It's unacceptable. It's an insult to them. So they really just can't be taken seriously. So maybe it was as bad as they make it out, but I'm sure that as however it would rank in terms of a broadcast, Met fans were making it out like it was over the line. Everything about Gary, Keith, and Ron. Oh, my God, if it's not Gary, Keith, and Ron. They're so insulted. I want Gary, Keith, and Ron. It's very good. I, in terms of brand loyalty, boy, they are. It's almost like a cult. There are cults that take it less seriously. I better not go down that road. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> I had some examples coming up in my mind. One eight hundred. Think of all the shows that you watched. Yeah, Gordon. no, yeah. No, I better, I, Brian. Don't encourage me. You, you're supposed to get me back on track. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You should just be studying for what we learned on TikTok this week and see whether or not you can get it right. All right, let's go Good back point. to the phones. Yes, yeah, so let's go back to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, someone who's not going to get us back on track, but we'll try anyway. Buddha, you're next up. <laughs> hey, Gordon. What's going on, my dude? How are you, my man? Good, good. Listen, it's 2022, so anyone who thought that uh, Judge was signing that deal before free agency, 
Uh, I got a bridge and a 1983 Euro. Just go on eBay double-click the link that says sucker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know why anybody thought he was going to sign that. I, you know, and it's the best thing for the Yankees, if you really think about it. You probably Absolutely. get the best year out of him ever. Probably, yep. Or you get an answer to the durability questions, one or the other, like you said. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I don't see all the angst about that. There was two things out of yesterday that I took away, though. Um, you know, the first um, was very ironic that um, Donaldson <laughs> knocked in that winning run <laughs> to save Cole. Yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, it was uh, Kiner <laughs> Falefel, so who scored the game-winning run as well. So two guys, there you go. He's the best ghost oh runner God. in baseball. This, IKF. That sticky stuff is going to continue to be an issue, man. I mean, oh, it's I, terrible. I don't, it's care, so about, I don't care about him yelling about Billy Crystal. Or anything. That sticky stuff is what is, is what's really yeah, going to be, be um, absolutely his, his either success or demise. But you know, the second thing, and and I was pretty pleased about this, to be quite honest with you, is when Boone went with DJ over Glaber. You know, to me, that was spot on, man. You know, that core injury was the reason why DJ didn't perform last year. I mean, that core injury, you, you look at what happened with Damian Lillard and the way he was playing before he had to shut it down, and then if you go all the way back to Donovan McNabb years ago, you can't really perform with that kind of an injury. And to be quite honest with you, you know, with Glaber, you know, I feel like he's been coddled too much, man. You know what I mean? Like, that, you know, we, There might be you know, some of that, absolutely, know, Buddha. Yeah. Come on, come on. He's got to – if he wants to get back on the field and be a starter – He's got to earn it. And and maybe Boone is, is feeling that sense of urgency, and that's a good thing for the Yankees, I would think. Well, look, I, I think, and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. The stuff with Glaber, uh, we talked with, with um, Bob Klappish last week, and he said that his impression is that Glaber has got, you know, basically the first half of the season to prove to the Yankees he's the player that he was the first two years and not the last two years. And when we were talking, Larry and I, on Thursday night about who's going to start at second base – Boone had that cut about it's very difficult to tell a veteran uh, that he's not starting on opening day. And we just kind of took it to mean, oh, well, Glaber's going to start and LeMahieu's going to come in off the bench. So when Glaber was not in the starting lineup and LeMahieu was, yeah, you kind of like that because think about it. It, it might Now, look, it, it might, it's one game. Who knows? Maybe LeMahieu does not have the bounce back year that we're hoping for. But, yeah, I mean, like a core muscle trying to swing a baseball bat. I'm not a doctor, but that would seem to kind of make sense. Right, like if you have a core muscle that's not right, and you're struggling through it, yeah, you're not going to have the torque necessary to to perform. So, yeah, I, I do think that I don't know how exactly they're going to make all these at bats work. I still do have hope that Glaber Torres will uh, kind of snap out, uh, snap out of it, and get back to the player that he was. But I kind of almost like the idea of maybe not an ultimatum, but the. <laughs> You don't have to be able to read what the writing says to be able to see the writing on the wall. I kind of like the idea that Glaber Torres is being kind of told, "Hey, look, dude, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta bring it this year. You gotta step it up because the last two seasons has not been it. And how they make those at bats work, we shall see. But it, it seems like at least for one day, Lemayhew was the second baseman and Glaber was the guy coming off the bench." Uh, let's go back out to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, John is in Mayville. John, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. How you doing, buddy? Hey, John. I just wanted to counteract your arguments regarding uh, Mets okay. fans and broadcasting. Yeah. Yesterday was atrocious. <laughs> I don't know if you got a chance to watch any I of that not, game. I, John, I'll be honest. I did not get a chance to really take in the broadcast. You know, I see clips, but you can't really judge a broadcast just simply on clips. Um, from well, the clips you know, that I saw, I mean, it did not seem great. 
But you would have to admit, John, are you a big big Met fan? I am a big Met fan. Within the Met fan community, the idea that anybody would have the audacity to call a Met game outside of Gary, Keith, or Ron, it's, it's, it's almost like sacrilege within the Mets community. And no matter who's calling the game, Met fans generally complain that it's not Gary, Keith, and Ron. Is that fair? Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. That's but that's all. But, you know, that's what we have. And we have the greatest broadcasting team of all baseball teams. I mean, they're excellent. Um, they're, they're, everybody's excellent. I mean, you know. They're, they're, but, I you mean, know, what? To, go back, to go back to the Apple thing, right? Okay. Yesterday, the Mets had the bases loaded. I forgot what inning it was. Um, Martinez comes in to do a pitching change with uh, – goes to the bullpen mm-hmm. for Washington. They uh, go to commercial. They come back. Washington's batting. <laughs> just totally disregarded the whole thing about the Mets with the bases right, loaded still, and two outs. They're still it's working like, out the kinks. What is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they, obviously they were still working out the kinks a little bit. You know, you don't want to miss entire half innings. Uh, that That is unfortunate. You don't want to miss at-bats. That's generally – I've never I've never produced a baseball game, but I would assume catching all of the actual action is is fairly important. I was just talking about the – I didn't know that there were – and Brian, you said that there were some technical issues as well. Yeah, so I have a, a lot of friends that are big Mets fans, and they were yeah. very upset that like the mm-hmm. feed would go out a couple of times uh-huh. during yeah. the game, mm-hmm. and it, and it was very uh, crucial parts of the game as well. Mm-hmm. So they were really upset, and then they would say, "I miss Gary Keith and Ron." Just- right. <laughs> well, look, you know, Gary Keith and Ron wouldn't have been able to do anything about the the broadcast going out. You know what I mean? Like they they're not they're not running the ca- you know as much as we love them they're not running cables between the game you know yeah but they're throwing it to always- break and coming back from break they're not doing the switching in the in the truck or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you're right, but they just wanted an excuse to always right. say I miss they Gary Keith. Bring back- yeah, yeah. They, I mean, look, they, it's it's an incredible brand loyalty. They love their Gary Keith and Ron. It's almost like Springsteen fans. Like Springsteen, fa- I once asked a Springsteen fan, "You show up to a Springsteen concert, right?" And he tells you ahead of time, I'm going to play songs until the last person leaves. So the longer everyone stays, the longer the concert will go on until no one is left, until everybody has said, you know what, I've had enough of Bruce Springsteen. I said, how many hours do you stay? And he said, oh, I wouldn't leave. I said, yes, but at some point you have to go about your life. He said, no, I wouldn't leave. That's not fandom. That's a cult. That is you. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's delusion. That's the delusion that I'm talking about. At some point, you got, I got a job to go to. I can't. Bruce, I love you. He eventually will run out of his own songs. He's just going to be making up stuff at some point. But these people said that they would. I've asked several people, and they said that they probably wouldn't leave. Some people say they would stay six hours. At some point of a concert, it's like, all right, I get the point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's good and all, but uh, I got to go home. I got to get to sleep. I got to get something to eat. Yeah, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Oh, just, just stand around, wait for Bruce to be done. Wait for the last person to turn out the lights. They won't do it. They'll just stay. They'll live there. They will live there from now on. It's like a religion. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Now, look, I understand that I have fired up Met fans. And, and, and somehow Met fans think that this is me going after. The, I'm not going after your team. I think your team is very good. Your team should be a playoff team this year. People would tell, oh, you're so biased. And no, I did not see the broadcast. And I'm sure the broadcast on Apple TV was terrible. All I'm saying is this. Met fans are not generally the best judge of this because there's never a broadcast that they like, never mind, like, that they deem acceptable. 
outside of Gary, Keith, and Ron. They love their Gary, Keith, and Ron, Gary, Keith, and Ron. They're doing bobbleheads for Gary, Keith, and Ron. And they'll be lined up. for. They'll be like the Bruce Springsteen fans, lined up to get the bobblehead of Gary, Keith, and Ron. So all I'm saying is that you guys are not the best judge because there's never been a broadcast of a Met game that has not involved Gary, Keith, and Ron that you have deemed acceptable. It doesn't matter if it's Fox, if it's, if it's, um, if it's ESPN, anywhere, any national broadcast. You guys won't like it, and you'll scream and whine that you just want your Gary, Keith, and Ron. That's the point. So I'm sure it was very bad. Some people have tweeted me. Uh, Rich Bushell tweeted that the Apple broadcast sucked, as did their booth. Very bad. And I know you love the Yankees, so this is just for you. And I don't blame Judge. Okay, the owners make a ton of money. All right, so look, again, I don't know. But you guys, Met fans, again, you make it seem like every broadcast is the way you're treating this broadcast. And you treat every broadcast outside of, of the SNY guys as Fran Dresser and, and Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm trying, William Hung from uh, American Idol fame from back in the day. NJ Amazing says that I'm so biased it makes me unlistenable. I get all sports radio people have their teens, but your take on anything to do with the Mets is laughable. This has nothing to do. This Brian, has this have anything to do with the Mets? No, that's why it's funny. No, <laughs> it has to do with the broadcast. Yeah, and, and really it has to do with Met fans. Met who fans are not even the team. It's they're the not Met the fan. best judge of this. They can't. They're they're too biased. They're too. They their love is too great. It's like a cult, like you said. It it is kind of like a cult. I I didn't want to say it. I did say it. I'll say it for it back you. Up, I'll say so. it for you. Yeah. Right now they're going to tweet me about it. Jason is on Long Island. Jason uh, did not particularly like the Apple broadcast. Jason? Hey, Gordon, how are you? So I know you didn't listen to the, no, to the uh, broadcast. But so I saw clips somebody of who listened it. with I, the I don't volume on TV. I refuse. Me, me neither. I'm a Samsung guy. So let me tell you how awful my experience was. It took two different email addresses for me to be able to register for an account. Then when you finally get on, the, the booth was terrible. CY and Melanie during the Escobar at that are talking about Fogo de Chao, and, and, and they're talking about uh, hibachi restaurants. They're not commenting on the at-bat with runners in scoring position. Then Lindor's up with two runners on. You lose the at-bat due to technical difficulties. It was absolutely atrocious. I love Gary, Keith, and Ron, but this was embarrassment. It was a giant Apple commercial. Thank God. I'm a Samsung guy because I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, no, look, and, and Jason, you're not alone. I mean, and thanks for the phone call. It, it does seem to be a, uh, a typical refrain. It's just, as, as an outsider, for me, it's just hard for me to, to jump on it because, A, I didn't see it. I did see clips, um, and it seems like they had a multitude of issues, not just the fact that Gary. I would like to see what would have happened, and there's no way of knowing this, if Apple for their next broadcast, still has the same technical issues, but Gary, Keith, and Ron are there. Because if Gary, Keith, and Ron are there, I, I bet you Met fans, the take will be, yes, we've lost the picture. Yes, we can't watch the game. Yes, I don't know what the score is. Yes, I can't even tell who the Mets are playing. But we have Gary, Keith, and Ron. And that will make it all okay. So the Apple people get up, open up the checkbook. God knows they have. I mean, they're making billions of dollars just from those those stu- stupid AirPods. So open up the checkbook, bring in Gary, Keith, and Ron, and uh, make the world a better place. That's what it's all about. Come on, uh, Mike is in the car. Mike, did you enjoy Apple? Hey, Gordon, how, you, how you doing today? Yeah, how we doing? How you doing? 
Good, pretty good. Gordon, I want to preface this call. You fired me up because I don't usually call. Uh-huh. But the telecast last night, Yeah. it, it was like listening to Ryan Seacrest and Kelly Clarkson calling the game. Okay. Oh, well, look, Ryan Seacrest is an amazing. I mean, and, and 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 you really cannot. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a Mets fan, and I like Gary Keith and Ron. I'm not a big Keith guy, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I like Gary and uh, Ron, but to to say you know Mets fans, if it was the the telecast based on because it wasn't. Gary Keith and Ron is just wrong. If you if you didn't see the game last night, no, or hear the game, or watch the game, and to make comments to say, well, that's the reason you are you are so off base on this subject. Right. You but can't Mike, but even Mike, Mike, but Mike, I, I will grant you that there is a very good possibility that I am not informed enough. I did not watch the game, so you might be a hundred percent right. But can just take just one second, just answer me this: Has no. there ever been? What is your favorite broadcast team to call a Met game that is not Gary, Keith, and Ron? Uh, you know, I like Joe Buck. You came up like, with a name, like, at least. I like, I like Michael K. But he's not calling Gordon. Met games. Uh, uh, no, he's not. I'm saying somebody else, when li- you, when, li- when li- somebody else who has called a Met game, and you're like, you know what? These guys are good. I really I, I enjoyed this broadcast. I mean, I go back to Vin Scully calling the '86 World Series. Okay, I so mean, I go back thirty six. You, know, you know, I go back. Well, then there was Gary Thorne. I mean, okay. we go back a lot, a lot of guys that done the match. You honestly, you cannot make a fair assessment how bad that telecast was no. without have not and, listened to it. And, that, I, and, I, and I'm not. That, I'm not, I'm not really judging the broadcast because, again, I haven't seen it. I'm just saying that I know from past experiences, Met fans are never going to like a broadcast. Now, I will say this. I have not heard such a collective, universal reaction before from Met fans, but there has never been a broadcast that Met fans deem acceptable that is not done by Gary Keith and Ron. You well, have to admit. Go that. listen. Go, go listen to an inning or two, and then you're gonna back, you're gonna take you're gonna take it. a couple of steps backwards, and you're gonna say, you know what? These Mets calls are right. It was hideous, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I, and I, 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 can I be more emphatic about it? Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to challenge the FCC license, if you know what I mean. You know, I, don't want, I don't want you to get carried away. I don't want you to push it too far, Mike. I pre- look, your, your, point has, your, your point taken. Your point has been made. And again, I think people are missing the point. I am not uh, judging really the broadcast. What I'm really judging is Met fans and their love for Gary, Keith, and Ron. There are few things in sports right now stronger than Met. I, I don't know that there's anything. I don't know if I could come up. We have until 630. We have two solid hours. And I don't think I can come up with anything that is stronger than Met fans' love of Gary, Keith, and Ron. And here's the thing. They always, oh, but it's the best broadcast. Newsflash. All the broadcast teams in New York are excellent. They're the pinnacle. Mike Breen is calling Nick games. Ian Eagle is sensational. There's nothing that that guy can't call. The hockey with Sam Rosen. 
I mean, I, I don't even watch that much of it. But anytime Sam Rosen's on it, he's he's just he's perfect calling the action. Not too much. He his voice is perfect for the action. He's always right on top of it. Doc Emmerich, when he used to call the devil stuff, national stuff. I mean, all the broadcast teams here in New York are excellent. But there's no fan base that feels the way they do to the degree they do that met fans with Gary, Keith, and Ron. It's, it's impressive. It's a little disturbing, I got to admit. It's like uh, Kathy Bates in, in, in misery level, but, uh, I mean, teach his own. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We've been talking about our judge today. Yankees continue to trail the Red Sox 2-0, but working out of a uh, jam there just uh, moments ago as they head to the, is it the bottom of the third there? I'm not sure. We'll check. Uh, but also the golf story going on right now at the Masters. It's round number three, and the story continues to be Scotty Scheffler. Uh, as he continues to lead by five. He is now through 10. He's at 11 under, good for a two-shot lead over two others. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But right now, it is time for us to unveil our new segment on the Gordon Damer Show. Now, during football, we have, of course, poop rankings, the polar opposite of power rankings, where we look at who is the worst in the NFL. But there is no NFL right now. Maybe we'll have a poop rankings edition for the NFL draft in a couple of weeks. But I am on TikTok a lot, far more uh, engaged on TikTok than a 51-year-old man has any right to be. But it's fascinating. It's an unbelievable algorithm. I feel like TikTok kind of gets a bad rap that people are like, you know, it's almost like a joke uh, among older people. But it really is. There are some very creative uh, and very fascinating people on TikTok. I am not one of them, but I do take in their content, and now I pass it along to you, so you don't have to be. But this new segment is called... What I learned on TikTok this week. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down, Brian, a little. Make it a little bit easier for you. Okay. I will give you three so-called facts. Two of the facts are true. One of the facts is completely made up. And you have to find the made-up fact. Sound good? Ooh. Simple enough, good. right? S- sounds good, yeah. All right. Are you ready for your first three? Let's go. All right. First one. The first copy of the Oxford Dictionary was missing the word dictionary. That's the first one. Possibility. The second okay. one. Yeah. The second one is that KFC, the Twitter account for Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, follows 11 accounts on Twitter. Six of them are randos named Herb, and the other five are the former members of the Spice Girls. 11 herbs and spices. Get it? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. And then finally, number three, your third fact, maybe true, maybe not, that while preparing to film the movie Titanic, James Cameron took so many trips to the ship wreckage that he spent more time at the ship and on the ship than the passengers themselves. Really? Okay. Okay, so those are your three. You, You want me to recap them again? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. First copy of the Oxford Dictionary, missed the word dictionary. Mm-hmm. KFC's Twitter account follows six guys named Herb and five Spice Girls for 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> or James Cameron actually spent more time at the Titanic. I can't, I can't say you would say on the Titanic, but at the Titanic site than the people who actually traveled on the Titanic. Which is, what did I not learn on TikTok this week? Which one is like a fiction? Which basically? one is fake? 
Okay, this is very tricky. This is good. This is really good. Uh, I feel like the James James Cameron is like a little weird. I, yes. I from what I read in the past, yes. and I know like with Avatar he was weird with that too. So I feel like that one is a fact. That's one. That's true. true. You're, yeah. you're crossing that one off the list. Yes. Okay, I'm not gonna tell you if you're right or wrong until you make a guess. The KFC one sounds a little wild, and mm-hmm. I want I want to cheat, but I'm not gonna cheat. Don't cheat. Yeah. That so, ruins. Don't ruin the game. Yeah. So Play the I, game. So that one, it, I'm like going back and forth with that gotcha. one. And then the dictionary one. You would think that the Oxford Dictionary would have the word dictionary that in it. That would seem like something you would, you would notice right away, right? Yeah. But then again, now I'm like playing with my, like. Too obvious, right? Yeah, it's like, it's too obvious. Like, it has to be there. But then it's not. They just want to mess with you. Sure. Mm. All right, I got I to ask you for a final answer. I'll give you another question. I'll give you another shot if you get this one wrong, even if you get this one right. I want to say, okay, I'm going to go. I don't know why, but I feel like KFC is a little weird. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna go with the Oxford one being. You're gonna fiction. go with the uh, yeah. that one's fake. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. Final answer. Final answer. You nailed it, Brian. Very good. <laughs> right off the bat, nice. one for one. Good job. Give yourself a little ding ding. Nice. Are you ready for a second one? I can't believe that. Wait, hold up. Hold on a second. The KFC one. <laughs> the KFC one is 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 factually accurate. Yeah. Wow. KFC only follows 11 accounts on Twitter. And they and are eleven herbs and spices. Eleven herbs and spices. Okay. Yes. All, right. All right. All right. That's 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 really interesting. That's okay. Good, right? I like it's it. Good one. You like it, right? I All like right. it. All right. Here we go. Number two. Okay. Number two. Let's see if I who I'm going to go with here. All right. Number two. If you are 45 years or older, the world population has doubled within your lifetime. Okay. All right. All right. The second one, woolly mammoths were still walking the earth when the pyramids were built. Oh, okay. All right. And then and uh, then number three, when Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon, he left a pen on the moon. The last person to be on the moon, you, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. I believe it's Eugene Surin. He not only found the pen, but it still worked. Quick recap again. If you are 45 or older, the world population has doubled in your lifetime. Woolly mammoths were still walking the earth when the pyramids were built. Or Buzz Aldrin's pen was found by the last person who walked on the moon, or at least the uh, the guy who walked on the moon, Eugene Serrett, found the pen, and it still worked. Which is, what did I not learn on TikTok this week, Brian? Oh, God. Why do I? Something's playing with my. Because I saw like this documentary about like pyramids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I have a friend that just went to Egypt and she actually saw the pyramids last week. Okay. So that's like. But I did not see no mammoths. Well, look, like, they're very the, old, but are they old enough to, to been be around when yeah. the, the mammoths? I mean, that's. Okay. Yeah, that sounds a little wild. Yep. The, the pen one, that's interesting. I want to know the year. But I can't. Yeah, I don't know the year. I did not learn that on TikTok. Okay. You didn't, they didn't tell you the year. No. And what was the other one again? Uh, if you are 45 or older, the world population has doubled in your lifetime. I feel like that does happen. Yeah, I could see that happening. Mm, the one I feel like that's fiction. Oof. I want to say it has to be. The mammoths. Uh, the mammoths in the, in the pyramid one. Final answer? Final answer. 
Incorrect, Brian. Oh, Thank God no. you did not ruin the segment. If you got that one right, I might have to reevaluate things. <laughs> All right, I probably got time for uh, one more. I probably have enough So what was the answer again for that one? The, uh, the answer for that one that was fake was the pen. The Buzz the pen. Aldrin uh, left okay. the pen on the moon, and okay. Eugene Surin found it, and it still worked. That is not true. All right. See, that's uh, why I asked you, like, what year was it? Like, and right. that's, uh, you said that they didn't tell you the year, so... Okay. Right, they did not. That one last with my head. All right, keep going. All right. I like this. Um, let me see. Do I have one more here? Okay, I got one more for you. Hold on. Okay. Do, 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 do. We need more TikTok kindy music next time when we do this. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, all right. Um, first fact. Let's see. What do I got here? What do I got? Okay, first fact. The first video uploaded to YouTube had to be taken down in 2016 for violating the YouTube Terms of Service. The first train was built before the first bicycle. Or at the Masters, there are actually sections of the golf that they paint green to make it look more appealing on TV. Whoa, okay. Give you a recap again. Yeah, Ready? Do, do it again because there's first, something. Go ahead. Right. First video uploaded to YouTube had to be taken down in 2016 for violating the terms of service. The first train was built before the first bicycle. Or they actually paint sections of the grass green at the Masters to make it more appealing for TV. Oh, this is good. The YouTube one is confusing me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So the first, I don't know when YouTube started, like 2009. Yeah, the that's The very first that. video that was posted to YouTube was taken, had, down. was taken down because eventually they came up with the terms of service and it violated. I don't know what the violation was, but it violated the terms of service. Okay, okay, now I get it. Okay. Got it. So because, yeah, YouTube, I was like, wait, YouTube was probably created in 2008, 2009, somewhere right, around Right, somewhere around there. I'm not sure when. It, they, didn't, yeah. they don't include everything in the TikTok. Very short videos, Brian. <laughs> and then the train and the bicycle right train Ooh. was created before the first bicycle train was created before the first bicycle no, i feel like the bicycle was ugh. right it doesn't seem like a, that complex a thing to come up with no you would Certainly think more more and then simple I, I, than the, way, train. the way i picture it in my history books is the bicycle with that big wheel and then the little wheel on the back well no i mean I, they, I don't know if that was the first bicycle it would seem like a strange way to go about the first bike so i don't know you might be right yeah but I don't, was that before the train? That's the tricky right, that, part. That would seem right. I don't know. Because there's de there was definitely trains. I want to say in the 1800s, right. late 1800s, right. for sure. But was a bicycle? This is really a brain teaser. I don't like Tough this one. one. They this all one. seem like they could be kind of yeah. true, and then kind of like and it's too easy. And what was the last one? What was the last one? Uh, the last one is they paint sections of the grass green at the Masters to make it look more appealing on TV. To make it look <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's funny because that's the Masters on my screen right now, right. and it looks it looks too green. It looks perfect. It looks it? very perfect. No, there's but not that, even maybe they want you to believe that. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is gonna mess with my head. I want to go with the train and bicycle one. Final and answer. Final answer. That is incorrect, my friend. No. Oh, my God. The first YouTube video had to be taken down for violating the uh, YouTube no. Terms of Service. No, that I, one is actually I, And I asked you questions about that one. I was right. like, That's, that seems a little weird. All right. All right. Well, one and two, it's not It's not terrible. I mean, these are very difficult. It's very tough to know what, what's real, what's not. And uh, you're not probably on TikTok nearly as much as I am. No. So there you go. Now I a have to be on TikTok. One and two record. Nothing to be ashamed about. You got the first one right, so that's good. <laughs>
But there you go. What I learned on uh, on uh, you uh, on uh, not YouTube on TikTok on TikTok this week. Uh, among the things that I learned on TikTok this week, uh, KFC, eleven herbs and spices. Woolly mammoths were still walking the earth when pyramids were built. They do paint the grass at the Masters to make it look more appealing, sections to make it look more appealing on uh, TV. The first train was actually built before the first bicycle. The world population has doubled if you're 45 years or older. James Cameron spent so many trips to the uh, Titanic that he actually spent more time than the actual passengers of the Titanic. So there you go. What I learned on TikTok for this week. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.